welcome, welcome, welcome for the time being. A little bit of a change on the podcast. And I'm really excited about this because it coincides with just a number of things that are happening. So here's the change. And here's what we're going to do. Here's why we're doing it. Um, I'm going to be interviewing some people. And it's people that um, I've been able to work with with SightShift. And I want you to meet them, hear some of their story. It's going to speak to you. It's going to inspire you. You're going to see where you in your own life can learn from their growth points, where they're winning, where they're losing, where they're stuck, where they're inspired. Um, and, And in these interviews, a part of them, we're going to talk about the new book, uh, my newest book to come out, The Stuck Book. The subtitle is Pick This Up When You Don't Know What to Do Next. And what I'm aiming to do with The Stuck Book is help you learn where you are and the best action you can take to move forward. So it'll be available at thestuckbook.com. We'll reference that some in the interview. And uh, I'm just excited to let you meet these friends, get to hear their story, learn from them yourselves, and pick up the stuck book so you can learn how to live out what they're doing, where you are really quick to get a sense of that and take the next step. So check it out, thestuckbook.com, dial into this interview, learn from it. Glad you're here. Peace. Welcome everybody to the podcast. So glad you're here and super fun moment in time that's happening right now. We're in a different uh, set of episodes, and so uh, not sure what order I'm going to post these in. This may be the first one, uh, but what we're doing is bringing some folks on who have been through Site Shift and chatting with them about something super special, cool coming up that I'll tell you about later. For now, I want you to welcome to the podcast. Actually, he's a returning guest. He's one of the few people I've had on here before. Uh, so, folks, welcome David Sherry. Glad you are here. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you. Yeah, I think uh, if I remember correctly, we did a Q&A where I was actually asking you the questions. That's right. Yeah, dude, that's crazy because uh, that feels like a long time ago, <laughs> but it wasn't that long ago. Uh, yeah, probably was. not. I know that feeling, though. Well, dude, uh, so what's cool about having you here is um, I get to introduce folks to you that maybe are new to the show or maybe that aren't going to remember everything from the past, those episodes long ago. And you know SightShift is all about doing before being. So we want, no, psych, uh, all about being before doing. So tell us, kick us off with something you really like about yourself. Something I really like about myself. Uh, I definitely would say that to this point, even though I've wanted to quit many times and you've seen me want to quit many times, uh, I'd say that my persistence, at least up until this point, has continued. So uh, happy about that aspect of myself right now. Oh, I love that. That's so fun uh, to, to look at your character and go, this is a good part of me. I like this. I think I caught somebody off guard on a call today. Um, he was just asking me how I was doing. And I was like, good. I like being me. And he just started laughing. And I was like, wait, that I get why that's funny, but it doesn't have to be funny. Um, yeah. I don't know if anybody has ever asked me that question before. I think it is kind of a, a unique thing that we should all probably think about more. Um, but typically that's not one of those questions that we ask ourselves. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I hope this feels like that today because it's going to have that sight shift feeling vibe where it is the being before the doing and you like that you've persisted. And I'll just affirm that. I've seen that. There are a lot of ways that people stay committed to false realities or rigidly push through. And even though you've persisted, you haven't done that. You've held it loosely. So props on that. Um, Tell us how you would describe what your mission is. If somebody said, what's David Sherry's mission? What do you say to that? This is a a great time to ask me this question because I think I'm in the middle of reassessing that. But it's interesting because in general, I'd say it's never changed. I think what I like doing is uh, helping people essentially carve their own path. And I think the need or the want that a lot of people have is that they want to differentiate what it is that they do away from what other people in their market are doing, um, what other artists like them are doing. Like People really want to be different and stand out. And so I like to think that I do that for people. And so my mission is really about um, helping people stand out, helping people find their unique voice and helping them express that. Love it. Uh, you've no doubt done that for many people. I think some people would probably be, uh, that are familiar with death to stock, know the scope of that reach, but those that are listening wouldn't, and you, you, you have a massive reach and, uh, that it can't be stated enough that you've stayed true to carving your own path through twists and turns and modeled the thing that you're helping with. And I think that's huge. I think that's what makes an effective mission because it is overflow. Uh, Yeah. I'd say that the modeling part is important because I think one thing I've realized that's sort of meta is, and, you know, through my work with you and just some personal development over the past few years, my mission sort of meta in that, you know, I want to differentiate, like I want to carve my own path. And um, if I can do that effectively, hopefully I can help other people do the same. So I want to differentiate. I want to be unique. I want to make something that nobody else has made before. And because of that and because of those experiences, hopefully I'm able to help other people do the same. So I like to kind of say my mission is like, I want to differentiate so I can help other people differentiate. Yeah. Yeah. And that keeps you inspired to keep living out the thing you're asking them to do. Um, I love it. Well, tell me some favorite parts of the community you serve. You can be as specific and general as you want. I just want to hear because, you know, a lot of people don't love the community they serve um, or there are parts of it that they hate. So, yeah, tell me about what you like and what you love about those people. Yeah, I think I'll start with um, what I love about the community, and then maybe we can get into some parts that I've had a harder time with um, or some kind of internal struggles that I've felt through that. Uh, To give a bigger overview, essentially, I started an email list uh, with my friend Allie, who maybe is going to be on the show as well, Allie Lehman, four years ago called Death of the Stock Photo. And the basic premise was really simple. Uh, We wanted to help provide high-quality photo and video assets to people who were starting their own projects, like blogs, businesses. Um, And so what we did every month was we'd take photos that didn't look like what else was out there in the market, all that stale kind of stock photography that we've all seen before. And we simply took it upon ourselves to create higher-quality work, um, work that felt more authentic and had a story, and then just began sharing that to designers, our peers, freelancers over email. Um, And so that was back in 2013. And I think about six months in, it was very quick. We had about 20,000 people signed up to that email list. And so we realized like, wow, this is really, there's, you know, really a lot of interest here. Maybe we should take this a bit more serious. 
Um, and so along the way through, you know, starting a premium membership, which actually brought in income for the company, building our own web app, uh, crowdfunding two different road trips, tons of other projects, we've still every month since 2013, July 2013, sent an email to this community of people who wants to hear from us and wants to uh, get the media that we produce. So I'd say just for the overview of the community, now it's about uh, half a million people subscribed who pay attention to our communication about carving your own path to bring it back to the mission, um, but also uh, receive our resourcing, um, the photos and the media that they can use in their projects. So uh, that gives you the overview. But to get into the part that I love about my community, I think it started from a, a misunderstanding, which was when you start a business, you have this vision for who your ideal customer is. And, you know, for me, I think I was saying to myself, oh, like the ultimate elite designer at Apple or someone who's like on the design team at Facebook, like that's the person that we're serving. It's for this sort of ultra designer with the multiple laptops and like, you know, the iPad and the Apple pen and everything like that. And then about halfway through, we realized our audience doesn't look anything like that. In fact, when I spoke with people in our community on the phone through customer interviews and just connecting with people, I started realizing that it was more the you know, stay-at-home dad who wanted to start a side project blog mm. who was using our media, or it was somebody in Tunisia who's starting their first coffee shop, or uh, I remember speaking with a guy in Canada who was starting a yo-yo shop where he was custom-making wood yo-yos. And so what happened was I went from sort of picturing our customer as this elite high-end designer, and then I realized they're just everyday people like myself, really. Um, and that actually ended up being a really cool thing. Like to me, that's way cooler. In fact, I almost straight up tell people now that this isn't for people with a lot of resources. This isn't for people, um, kind of on that high end design world. We are more for those people, like I mentioned. And so I actually love that. Um, I came to sort of embrace, embrace that. And I think when you think about it, it's the people with the least amount of community, with the least amount of resources, with the least amount of inspiration and, um, you know, that, that push kind of in their lives, they can get the most benefit. Yeah. So I love our community because it's not kind of that idyllic LA, New York City designer who has all the resources in the world, all the community in the world. You know, there's meetups in their town every night. It's not for those people. It's actually for the people who don't have any of those things. And that's why we've kept our price low. That's why we have a free offering uh, because we want to embrace people who are trying to carve their own path around the globe who don't have resources, who maybe feel isolated either physically or mentally. Um, and so I love that about our audience. That's awesome. Um, it's so, yeah. it's so beautiful because it's, uh, I mean, it's, I was a customer before we met. Um, it was, you know, getting those images and being like, Whoa, there's so much I can do with these. And, I can't do much, but people help me. Uh, specifically, even my kids were learning how to like add text and font and change things, and it, you could do it with this quality image. And I remember people like tagging on Instagram other people when I was doing a big series of those, going, "You got to check this guy's stuff out." And it's because the quality images with the content that I had came together to present something compelling. Hey, is it true that um, the model shoot that I did for you guys is the most popular pack you've ever sent out? <laughs> Yeah, you'd be surprised where those images have ended up in all types of places. Um, hey, yeah, it, 
Oh, I, I wanted to ask about this, the far out program that you guys did, because I think this is neat about the community. Yeah, yeah, way heard. out there. Way out mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, some, you guys got a couple of stories. Maybe tell us one of those of somebody who was way out there and is being impacted by what you do. Yeah. So this is how we sort of made a second realization. So I think the first realization was, okay, it's not this elite uh, designer who went to art school. It's somebody just like me, who's just trying to start a business, start the project, but really build, build their own path. That was the first realization. The second realization was that our email list was very global. And that started by uh, first hearing a, a story about I think she was maybe 14 years old, but it was a subscriber of Death of the Stock Photo who lived in New Zealand. She's 14 years old. And every time we released an email, she was sitting down at the lunch table with her friends and opening and like looking through our email as a group with her friends in junior high or whatever. And so that was like a very rewarding, like, whoa, this is like crazy. Um, And it got us thinking, okay, well, maybe maybe our members are really way out there. Like maybe we have members all over the globe. And so we ran a campaign called way out there. And the basic premise was whoever the farthest out there member of death, the stock was, we were going to send a creative care package in the mail. Um, I think it was to six people. So we put it on email. We said, you know, tell us where you're from, how you're living the non-stock lifestyle. Um, you know, and like kind of what's your story. And that was another breakthrough moment for us because we just got hundreds of emails from people in really crazy locations with really, honestly, just amazing life stories. I mean, yeah, people in Tunisia, Kenya, the Philippines, they're telling us that it takes them three days to download our images because the internet is so poor there. Um, you know, just really amazing stuff like that. And so we were blown away by that response. Um, we, we definitely recognize that there's this whole other group of people out there across the globe where they're coming online and they want to do the same stuff that we're doing. You know, they want to start blogs, they want to start businesses. And I think they just have a lot less of the sort of entrepreneurship startup resourcing that we get here in the States um, or maybe in Europe with all these accelerators and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I was just blown away by the interest and commitment from people around the globe. One story that stands out in particular is somebody telling me that they lived in, I believe it was like the Scottish Highlands, which, you know, I don't even know totally where that is, but she said, you know, I'm the only person in my town of a thousand people with a camera Mm. and I want to be a photographer. Um, and your photos helped me stay inspired to get out there and shoot because I have nobody else to really discuss this with. And so feeling like we can be that sort of lifeline to the isolated creative way out there who's trying to make it happen, but just doesn't have that support. Like, I think that's really interesting to me. And I also think that there's a huge opportunity there, um, being that their needs are different. You know, you have to think about, and it's something that I wish we we've done better so far, which is like, you have to think about download speed. You have to think about people viewing whatever it is that you're selling on like a totally different screen. You know, they don't have a big MacBook. Maybe they only have a phone. Um, and so, yeah, that was just a really interesting kind of eye-opening experience. Um, and if I'm, you know, the head of Adobe or uh, some other big kind of creative company, I'd be trying to figure out how I can create my platform to cater to that audience as well because it's a huge demographic. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 the majority. And what's cool about what you've experienced and what you've done, and this is what a lot of people don't do, you found out your community was different than you thought, but you embraced that. You know, it's like 
it's like this, uh, you, you know, our mutual friend Adam talks about this, loving the ground you're on. Uh, you, you carve this space out and you're like, okay, this is where I am. This is who showed up. Let me take care of these people and help them with the gifts and skills that I have. What an awesome picture of that. Okay, so I want to transition now to uh, the reality that we all face where we have categories of our life where we're, we're winning, we're inspired, we may be in other places, and we're going to start with the winning piece. Tell me right now, where's David Sherry winning? It could be something that you feel like is personal, work, whatever you want to talk about, what comes to mind with that? Yeah, so I'm coming off of probably since November last year. I'd say I've been sort of working since November of last year to um, really approach my work in a lot healthier way. That means being less stressed, um, making certain things less of a big deal, putting less pressure on myself, um, enjoying my work, you know, kind of actively pursuing things, getting more efficient, so cutting certain elements out of my work that's not really necessary. And I don't even know if I'm quite done with that phase of growth. Uh, But I'd say probably since November till now, I've made massive, massive strides in stepping away from my work because I was approaching it in an unhealthy way and now returning to it in a much healthier kind of state of mind. So I think if you ask people around me, you know, my mom, uh, who I call, you know, every, every week or so and catch up with, or my girlfriend or, you know, people close to me, I think they'd say that, uh, I'm just a lot less stressed out. Um, and I was never like, I didn't have issues where I get mad at people or anything like that. Like that's never been the problem, but I just would be overwhelmed because I just put a lot of pressure on like everything I did. Um, and so I'd say the place I'm winning is, um, my personal kind of interaction or connection to my work. Uh, and now I'm trying to, I'm trying to take that to the next step, which is, um, sort of winning actually in the workplace, if that makes sense with the actual, um, tactics and functions of the business. So first it was phase one, which is correct how I'm approaching my work. Yeah, I love it. Well, that kind of goes into this next piece. What are you reaching for right now? You know, where are you inspired and you're kind of stirred up and excited and you're, you're, you're chasing something and you're going after it? Yeah. Um, and we can jump into this if we want, which is some of the, um, the thing I was, I guess, like rubbing up against previously that I think I'm now seeing differently, but, uh, the place that I'm really excited about or like reaching for is I think I have a very different and sort of renewed perspective on how to interact with our community. And I definitely just realized how, I guess how many like barriers I was putting up myself Mm -hmm. for how I could communicate with them, which means like how I was copywriting, what I was saying, what I was sharing with people. Like the best way I can put it is I've held back so much, um, both for our premium paying customers and also for our free customers. And I don't want to hold back anymore in how much I think I can give to our community. Um, a lot of that from an education and communication standpoint. So like what I'm reaching for is I see that I have a lot more capacity and it, and I'm starting to see like, oh, I should just be sharing way, way more with my community. Um, so some simple manifestations of that is I have a podcast that came out uh, maybe two months ago that I've been doing. I have a weekly email I've been sending out that I've been doing. And I just like a lot more stuff like that where how can I really just share and like give my audience my all? Like I feel like I've only been giving them 40% of who I am. Dude, that's like the most um, potent 
and clear way I've heard you describe that. Like that was awesome. Um, I want to comment on the weekly email too. At the end, we'll tell some ways that folks can engage you. And I'm going to say this now in case I forget then. Uh, I always am like looking for the best kind of futurist voice, whether it's, you know, different business trends or uh, finance. And your email on that right now is hitting that target better than anything I'm seeing and reading. And it it makes me so happy when it's there. And it's like today there wasn't one, which there didn't need to be because you've got to be a sane human being. Uh, or there might be because I haven't checked email in a while. It makes me sad to not see it. I mean, that's like, so if I could take that phrase and lift it out, I'm not holding back anymore. I've been holding back. Like, you're better at this than me, but if I were to see an email from you that's going out to all death the stock that says, I'm not holding back anymore. Uh, you know, and the second one is, um, I'm going to give you all I've got, right? Uh, that subject line, even if you find a better way to word it, because I'm sure you will, is so compelling to me because it captures that essence. Um, dude, I'm inspired. I think you're right. You? I think, well, well, first off, thank you for the, the comments and all the encouragement along the way on the email list. Um, that's been kind of huge for me. Um, but I think that's a good point. Like, I actually probably will steal that subject line. I think that is, I guess, precisely what I was doing wrong um, before sort of seeing things in a new way. Which is, I was just like one protective over the brand. I think anytime you start finding any success, you become a bit protective over what's there, which means you take less risks and you hold back. Um, and I guess like too, it's it's funny because I feel like everybody now when they're copywriting for sales or emails or whatever, like they try to sort of puff it up to have a spin. Um, and really the best thing you can do when you're copywriting is just distill it to the essence and like the simplicity of how you feel um, in just like a really day-to-day conversational way. So I think that's like a good lesson, which is, okay, so let's say I go through this whole learning process of, wow, I've really been holding back and I have a lot more to give. I feel like I could write an email in a negative way that sort of tries to dance around that idea, but make it seem flashy and like interesting. Yeah. But the best thing I can do is just be as human and straight up as possible, which is just like, and I, I've sort of done this in an email I'm, I'm writing that I'm going to send out, which is just like, Hey guys, like I've been pretty protective and I just haven't really shipped as much as I'd like to. There's things that I haven't shipped because I was scared what you'd think, but I think I'm going to do that now. So if you want to go on that journey with me, just like stay subscribed. And if not, you can unsubscribe like writing like that. And just saying that is so much more powerful, um, in connecting with people than trying to take that sentiment, but box it up really nicely. Um, you know, and kind of construct it in a way. So I guess I just say, I love that subject line because it's just the essence of where I'm at. It's like, let's distill this to how I'm feeling and just say it. Yeah. <laughs> that was my block before, you know, just, just do it and just say it. And yeah, stop trying to create artifice around it. Clearly stated, man. I, it makes me think of when I was uh, changing the, the focus of site shift a few years ago. And I felt like my number one skill at the time was writing emails people would unsubscribe from. <laughs> and I, I wasn't like I you know, took delight in that, but it was necessary. And it's been fun to see the engagement and, and response change as it was more aligned. And so cool. Well, yeah, you me- took a risk. I mean, you took a re- risk when you repositioned, but it clearly paid off. I'm sure a lot of people warned you against that. 
Yeah, yeah. There were some uh, voices, and what's cool when the people that are closest to you see the truth. And my wife was like, yeah, I could have told you that. It's like, why didn't you? Uh, it's so fun. Okay, so we've talked about like winning and excited and inspired. Is there a place where you feel like, and there may not be, where you're losing or you're stuck? Um, and that if you could reverse something or get it going, what would those be? Yeah, totally. Um, the stuck thing is easy. I think, you know, there's always stuff that's not working. Um, and maybe we can come back to maybe a mistake that if I could go back and do something different, I would, I would approach things differently. But I'd say the place that I'm stuck is really sort of this idea of alignment. Um, and, this will take us back to the conversation about the community and sort of like I was talking about what I love about the community. And now I think I can get to some of the parts where I'm a bit stuck, which is once you grow beyond a certain size. So, you know, you signed up and early and you're kind of this early adopter type, which is just like you're down to try something out and see where it goes. Um, try out the new service. Um, and, I love that segment of the audience. Like I love the people who were there early who wanted to see me do stuff that was weirder and push the boundaries and there's less concerned about having everything tight. I think we've reached some level where now the audience is big enough that we're hitting a different segment of the market. Hmm. And so sometimes I, I feel pulled the, the biggest place where I'm stuck is I feel pulled between two different audiences. I love the early adopter, people who want to see the art, people who want to see us take risks. But a lot of the people who purchase, they want um, consistent, safe utility, which is very understandable because they're spending money. And so the place where I'm most stuck is I feel like our customers and our buyers are different than the people who follow us and encourage us um, in those communities, maybe way out there or just the email list in general. And so it feels like there's this lack of alignment where I'm having to speak to two different audiences. One that feels very natural to me, which is sort of uh, the group that wants us to take more risks and speak uh, the truth, sort of like I was mentioning. And then there's another audience who's there to buy, which is, I mean, I have to be very appreciative of them too, because they're paying the bills. Um, but I sort of don't feel as comfortable talking to that group, I guess. Mm. it's. I think freelancers probably feel this pain because, you know, sometimes they have these fun projects with startups and they love designing for them. But the company that pays the bills is, you know, some massive <laughs> industry that, you know, pays them by retainer very well. And they feel that pull. And I think I feel a similar pull. I'd love for everything to be completely aligned. And honestly, I'm just a little, that's like where I've just been kind of stuck. Um, and when we look at things like my email list, uh, the email list that you mentioned, it's very possible that the people who purchase from me do not care about that email at all, but I would love for them to. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if we want to problem solve here on the air or not, or we can jump into some mistakes that I've made that I would maybe change moving forward. But I've probably been thinking about this and I'm more clear on it than ever, um, this kind of rub, but yeah, it's like, what do you do when the, the audience that like, um, is rabid about what you do and encourages you and wants you to take risks, isn't the audience that's paying the bills. I think that's my biggest, uh, struggle right now. I'm feeling split. Yeah. 
Dude, I, I hear I what a you're, coaching session. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. For a bunch. I, I hear yeah. what you're saying passive, passively aggressively, and you want me to sign up for premium. I will do it right now. I'm kidding. I am a <laughs> member uh, because I'm such a fan of the future stuff. But at the same time, get what you're saying. And well, I, you know, I would just say this because this has kind of happened in some of these other chats. Uh, our friend Adam actually showed up to this interview with like wanting me to do stuff with him on the air, and I was like, what? But we did it, and it was a blast. Um, but I would say like just connecting back to the earlier thing like the falling in love with your audience and loving the ground you're on it's like you're feeling the pinch and squeeze that a lot of your list is feeling and what a cool way for you to understand them and no doubt as you do the empathy that you uh, live out in just your day-to-day life that I know that I see that I've experienced um, dude, I've been through some hard stuff. And I, I remember one night calling you at like midnight, 1am, I was out driving and I knew you were on the West coast and would be up. And I think you were at a party. You freaking stepped out and, <laughs> and, and were, were there for me. And so I just know that what's going to happen as you kind of explore that for yourself and find solutions there, you're going to discover like the meta principles that you're going to equip the audience with the customers that you love and serve. So I'm excited for that. And just recognizing that this is a stuck point is huge and that's massive. Um, yeah, I, I think there's two clear options and we don't need to hang on this. Um, because I think I know what the options are and it does relate to what you were saying, about what we spoke about earlier, I think it's option one is fall in love with those people, which is sort of my third, you know, progress of, of falling in love, I suppose. Um, and fall in love with them and fall in love with serving them. Um, but option two is how can you create value such that the audience that you're already in love with will pay? Yes. Um, and I, that's probably the clearest way to put it. I don't know what that answer is. Um, I've sort of been flipping between those two for a little while now, but definitely it's, it's very clear what the issue is. It's just, I'm sort of, uh, stuck looking left and then looking right and then looking left and yeah. So, but we can hop on other stuff, but I think that that to me is how I'd outline it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can't resist asking this, and I think that's outlining it great, by the way, uh, because you had referenced it. And so what would be like a top mistake? You had re- referenced some mistakes because people I think would be listening and go, what? He, he made mistakes? Uh, what would be a mistake you'd look back and go, hey, I, I would do this different? Not to stir up anything negative. Just oh, curious. yeah. So many mistakes. I mean, I, there's, yeah, sure. just tons here. Um, but I think a big one for me was I always like to... I'm very future focused and I always like to double down on what I'm doing and think about the future. And so I, while I've created a lot of value, uh, for the company, for my audience, um, you know, for the subscribers, I really haven't pulled much out in return. And so I'd say like an, an easy, simple mistake that I made is like one, I wasn't paying myself enough because I was always wanting to put more money in the business and we're a bootstrapped company. We have no board, no advisors, no investors. Um, and so I was always just trying to like put money in the company, put money in the product. And that's a good mentality to have, but definitely to a point. And so I sort of feel like a big miss was paying myself more like throughout entirely. Um, maybe taking more chunks of capital capital and investing them in some other areas. Um, 
you know, a second mistake, which has happened time and time again, is you, I mean, even with a bootstrap company, you still waste a ton of money. Um, a lot of those are mistakes that you then learn from and probably won't do again. But yeah, I'd say number one, I should have, uh, pulled more money out of the company. I should have paid myself more throughout. I should have used the company and invest in certain areas. I didn't, uh, I wasn't comfortable with at the time. And then, you know, mistake part two is you just always, there's so easy to waste money. I can't imagine someone in giving me a uh, million dollars of fundraising or something like that. Like, I just think you spend money. It's very easy to spend money is what yeah, I'd say. Totally. Yes. Yes. Well, thanks for sharing those. Very honest. And I even, uh, I look back at that with businesses now when they come in, I'm, I'm a lot more aggressive on the up your pay thing um, because it's so huge. It, it builds such a culture and you've not done this. So you're, you're doing it, you're reversing it, but it can build such a culture of martyrdom and, uh, and then you don't know how successful or well the business is doing. And so props, man, you, you turn over the stones. Well, let's transition to the next section. And, uh, this is like the, the fun part of a way that I'm sharing news with the people that are listening and so excited to do that. I am releasing the next book. It's going to be called The Stuck Book. Uh, and you, David Mann, have had such an impact on titles out of everybody. Uh, the the subtitle is Straight Props and Credit to You. So when people see it, um, they'll they'll know it's, it's genius because of the simplicity of it. But the subtitle is Pick This Up When You Don't Know What to Do Next. And... Uh, you had said something one time about like framing the book that way and it just stuck in my brain. It was so clear. So the stuckbook.com as this podcast will be released, will be live and it'll go to the URL for, or that URL will go to uh, the Amazon listing for that book. We'll have a campaign page too. I don't know what that's going to be yet. Um, but for now it's just a blast to have you on and talk about the book. And so you've read it, you got like a, and a, a non-designed copy, so you had to labor through a Microsoft Word doc. Um, and we'll start with the gentle, kind stuff first. Tell me what you enjoyed the most or what stood out uh, as something that you really liked uh, in the book. Yeah, um, I think one thing I liked the most is that you put words to very deep concepts. And I think that's what seems what the, the book is really about, is like, here's a pattern that plays out for a lot of people, um, in in these four different seasons. And you really put words to this, what seems to be very complex patterns that pop up in our lives. Um, and you make it, I wouldn't say simple, but you just, you eloquently sort of state what's there. Um, and so I sort of felt like there was a lot of lines in the book where I was like, Ooh, yeah, that's a very deep point. This is like some real deep insight um, about a pattern that you'd be unaware of unless you had pointed it out. So I think you sort of point out and make clear something that I wasn't maybe aware of or people aren't aware of. Um, and then you very eloquently kind of break that down for people. So I think that was the first thing I'd noticed. I, I, the, the second part that I'd put is I can see myself returning to it because it's kind of like an action guide. And like the subtitle um, that you read, it is kind of this thing where I believe I'll be picking it back up um, probably multiple times. And hopefully hopefully I don't have to keep picking it back up because I learn this system for myself, which I think will be really handy. I just think it'll probably take some practice. 
And that's it. what the guide's there for. Dude, so encouraging. What would you say was your greatest takeaway? Well, like everybody, uh, we're selfish. And so we read the book through the lens of our own life. And it, the sure. wheels that start turning in anyone's head is about their own situation. And so for me, uh, right away, I was, you know, there's, there's four sections. And I was kind of like, or four, I guess, main sections. I was really kind of like digging through thinking like, okay, which one am I in? Which one am I in? Like what is, what resonates with me right now? Um, and so, yeah, it was very much like, how can I apply this immediately? And so I pretty quickly identified where I was, what phase I was in. And then I started using the questions that you have in the book to help prompt me to further understand, uh, what I maybe should be doing next. Awesome. I, that's exactly what I was hoping for, that people have that. And yes, uh, that fires me up. Um, so as you read through it, not that there is something like this, was there something that you found yourself pushing against? Like, I wonder if that's really the way that is, or I don't think that, you know, that I, or you, a part you didn't like. And again, not that there needs to be, but at least want to give a chance for voice to that. Um. I don't know if I really had much pushback. I think there's a little bit of confusion for me around whether you can be in like every season at once. So, you know, the book, I don't know how much you've talked about there, but it's, it really breaks down these four sort of seasons, which are kind of parts of a pattern that we all get stuck in, stuck in and, and what to do next based on where you are. Um, I think the only thing I was still trying to like understand about myself is how quickly these all pass. <laughs> like, mm. do I go from, you know, summer to fall, the winter to spring, like really quickly, or are they all kind of happening simultaneously? Um, and so I think that there's no real pushback. I don't think, I think it's just more like, as I'm analyzing myself, um, it's a complex thing. And so it's like, you know, how can I stay aware? And if there's multiple seasons happening in different parts of my life, it's just, it's almost like tough to, to sort of, uh, keep on top of, you know, I've, I was thinking about this actually recently, which is like, it's kind of hard to do well in every area of your life all at once. Yes, totally. I'm so glad you said that. I mean, that's, there's something I'll say with leadership stuff, like nothing is as solid as it seems. And we all do that. So if you're investing in a business, if you're connecting to partner with somebody, whatever, nobody, everybody has things that aren't as solid as they seem because we have these parts that we're like, I'm putting all this attention on this thing because it's in a winter season and I'm trying to get it an understanding of it because I want it to move to spring. And while that's happening, I got something in summer that's falling into disrepair and sliding into fall. And, uh, yeah, it, 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 what I've seen people do over and over is get overwhelmed by that. And then they try to make everything fit one season, which I talk about in the book. Uh, and they can't address life in a way that is a comprehensive, robust approach so that I go, okay, generally speaking, I'm in this season right now with my wife and this season with my daughters and this season with the business. And so what actions do I need to be taken and, uh, or taking? And, you know, as I keep going back to it, it was almost like, how can I not write this because this is in me and I'm using it and it's helping me so much address the complexities of life. And I, I see this push against adulting that's like, and I, and I get the, the terminology and I think it's funny, uh, how, how it can be hard, adulting, the responsibilities, the challenges, all that. But a lot of it is like, I just want everything to be simple. I want to know that I can meet the demands of life with the same approach. 
And the reality is we can't. Um, and, and to what you're saying, too, that the seasons don't always click through in a clean way. Sometimes they transition and they kind of like moves into spring energy a little bit, but then goes back a little bit to winter and then it swoops into spring in a full way. Um, but we're noticing these things. And if we're aware, then we can really pay attention to, to what's happening. I love it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, I mean, definitely, uh, if you're aware, I think you can move fast. I think you can move through faster. I mean, I think let's say for like the winter, like that could take years, but I think if you're aware that you're there, then you're sort of consciously thinking about it and maybe it only take months instead of years, which is a huge shift for your life. So, uh, I'm going to plug just a pitch actually now that I think about it. Cause I, I was just thinking this sounds cool is I think with people's careers now and just how quickly everything's changing. First, I'd say that, uh, this book is probably more important and more relevant than ever. If everything's changing, you know, there's a lot of pieces of this book that are definitely necessary through change. Mm, and as yeah. change, yeah, and as change progresses because of technology and upheaval, and uh, I think we're sort of in this revolutionary time, I think it's probably more necessary than, than ever. So I think you could probably apply this to the way to survive sort of a uh, career in this day and age moving forward. So uh, maybe we can, maybe we can put our heads together and do like a futurist version of, uh, of the, of the stuck book for your career or something. Yeah. I love it. It's going to be huge because cryptocurrency, I mean, you think about the disruption alone from that, whatever that shakes out to be, it's going to make industries look completely different. Um, and there are people that are studying for jobs right now that aren't going to exist in 10 years. Um, and that is hard and scary for most people because they're going to get stuck in the valley. And I, I referenced this in, a, in another conversation with somebody, but a lot of what we're doing when we help people, we crawl through the valley floor. We get bloody and scraped up, and and we do that, but we, we then can help people run through the valley, right? They're still going to go through it, but we can help them run through it. Um, yeah, so that would sound like a blast. Put me down. Uh, awesome. Okay. I want to put you on the hot seat, and we want to do some questions uh, just to have some fun. One of them will be about the stuck book. The rest aren't. You down for that? Yep. Yep. Let's do it. Um, Because, yeah, you didn't get to see these questions beforehand, so you're like, yeah, I'll do it. And that's brave. And that's awesome. (laughs) Right. So question one will be about the stuck book. The rest are not. But where would you have liked to have known the stuck book at an earlier point or part of the message? Not that this is to stir up regrets for you, but if you could go back to an earlier version of yourself and share that, this will help those listening uh, through your vulnerability run through their own Mm. valley. Yeah. um, You've seen me try and quit. Um, like straight up, just quit death, the the stock (laughs) stuff like twice. Um, so I think it's funny because I said, I'm happy I'm persistent at the beginning, but I think when you're thinking about quitting something, it's sort of an ideal time to prompt these questions that you've brought up in the book. So, uh, every time I've wanted to quit, which has been multiple times in a serious way, probably a million times in a a non-serious way, um, with my, with my work, um, those two times or three times would probably been a good time for me to, um, check in with some of those questions. Dope. That's very aware. If you're thinking about quitting something major in your life, uh, that'd be a good time. 
Awesome. This is why I sent the book to Kelly Clarkson because I was like, if you can sing Breakaway, you'll get this. Because when you want to run away, that's probably when you need to pay attention to something. And her lawyers <laughs> sent a letter back said, please stop contacting her. So um, not, that none of that happened, listeners. None of that happened. You know me, David. So, uh, okay. What's a recent idea that has you just lit up? A book, a podcast, a resource, an idea that you've put together, a mental breakthrough? Anything like that that we can share with those listening? Uh, are you looking for me to share like an insight that they can take away right now or just like something they should go check out? Either one or both. Ooh, this is a good question. Um, man, it's funny because I feel like I devour so much just books um, and stuff like that. I, and if you're searching for something, I can share something that you've told me about that I think. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's do that because then I, I can think of something. It's yeah, it's one of those things where if you get me started actually talking about this topic, I can talk forever, but I, I need to get started. So yeah, go yeah, ahead. I, I, I can sit and, and listen to it forever. I love it. So tell us about like what the lot is and why you mm, think that's Oh, important. yeah, I'm jacked up about this. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so um, – the basic idea, and I'm sort of, I think, in the early adopter category, so I was one of the first people probably to sign up for this. It's what I like about it is, oh, let me give you the pitch. So Lot is a subscription clothing company. That you're um, not affiliated it's, with. I think that's important. It's like, yeah, this, I'm you're observing it. I'm just a fan. Yeah, yeah. I just um, was one of the first person to sign up and purchase it. And the basic idea is that every month you get uh, – a package in the mail. It's beautifully designed. Like the packaging is all amazing. And then you just get kind of like assorted clothing, um, but also some home goods and just like random stuff. But I think this guy is taking so many risks on like just the business that it's just been really fascinating to watch. Um, and so one thing that's interesting is the basic premise is that over time, sort of like um, machine learning or like software your clothing subscription starts adapting more and more to you. So every time uh, you receive a package, you also fill out like a little form and survey. And that changes what you get in upcoming um, packages. Uh, it becomes customized to you where now on all the items I'm receiving, my name's on it. So like in my shirt, the back tag has like David Cherry on it or like, you know, on the socks and stuff like that. Um, and so I think the first reason why it's really interesting is – um, I can see in the future how everything is sort of a subscription and when things become so cheap because of manufacturing costs, uh, yeah, we just sort of have clothing on demand all the time. And so you're just, you know, I'm going to wear something next week. Well, it's probably going to show up Monday. Um, you send it back. You can actually send your stuff back once it wears out to this company. Um, and so I believe that in the future, this sounds crazy, but we all have these packed out closet closets just full of clothing. Um, I think we'll probably all have clothing by subscription. And I think this is the first step there. Um, so that's the first reason I'm excited about it. The second reason I'm excited about it is I think that the, the guy who's starting it is taking a lot of creative risks that other people aren't taking. Um, and that's sort of how he's created the brand. There's kind of like a cult following, like there's all these forums that are just like talking about what it is that he's doing. Cause so that to me is like a good sign. And so I'm very interested in sort of watching what happens there. Um, but my, my girlfriend would laugh about this because I get like really excited and into <laughs> stuff like this. And it's like, I can't, every time I get something, I just geek out about it. Um, so yeah, that's been something that's been inspiring to me. Um, because I think 
I think when people create something really interesting and unique um, that stands out, it's because they're like blurring lines and breaking rules. Um, and so when he says, this is a clothing company, but think about it like software, uh, I think he's sort of getting to this idea of like the way you think about something shifts. And the iPhone is the big example here, but it's not a phone. It's a computer yeah. in your pocket. And I think breakthrough products change the way you perceive what they are in your life and what they can be. Um, and so that's just one example of something where I'm like, oh, we might think about this totally different. And when we think about it totally different, there's new advantages that become apparent, um, like having new clothing every week forever. Yes. So for people listening right now, this is what I was talking about, the futurist stuff. Uh, we're going to tell you how to find that out in a minute. But uh, I have to say that like, I feel like we're at Native right now having these futurist conversations. Those in the coming years will be the stuff of legend. <laughs> oh, well, well, hopefully I can broadcast them and maybe, maybe share them. <laughs> so good. Okay. Alex, let's watch some recording. Heck yeah. Um, okay. So you get an unexpected free day, free afternoon. No one to judge you. What do you go do? It's your thing. Uh, first thing that comes to mind is go to the movies. Um, I just like sitting there in a really quiet theater with popcorn and watching a movie. So I think that's a great way to relax. Um, the second option is jumping in the ocean, which I'm trying to take advantage of uh, now that I'm in L.A. Heck, yeah. That's awesome. Love it. Okay. What's something you see a lot of people around you? They're not into it, but you totally dig it. This is your chance to kind of fly your freak flag. Uh, I'm still pretty into fidget spinners. Yo, <laughs> um, that's maybe amazing. everybody, yeah, but maybe everybody <laughs> is into that. Maybe that's like a mass thing. I feel like people are sick of them. Um, as someone who's ADD, I'm like still <laughs> kind of on that train. Oh, I actually want to awesome. buy one of those like fidget cube things, which seems like the upgraded version of that. Um, I think that's the best one that comes to mind that's right now. So funny. That's so good. I was just saying to my kids the other day, we were somewhere and I was like, like, look at this. There's all these fidget spinners. As quick as they came in, it's going out. Uh, it's great. They don't walk around it's the like house anymore. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it's if I'm not doing that, I'm like, I don't know. I'm doing other stuff. Like, I'm, like, you know, flipping my wallet around or, like, touching my phone and stuff. So I, I actually think it's, like, I think there's, like, value there. Like, I think it's sort of one of those things that's it's a joke. But also, like, I personally think it's a very useful item. I, I, no doubt. The cognitive science <laughs> is there as, like, an anxiety saying, management yeah. tool. For sure. Yeah. It's a tactile app that you can uh, relax with. So way to way to fly that flag. Okay. Tell us uh, where folks can engage you. Where would you like them to go? They've listened to this. They've heard more about you and they're like, I want to dive into this David Sherry guy's stuff. Yeah. So if I'm uh, being my best self over the next six months, almost everything's happening through death to stock. Um, so death to the stock photo.com death to stock on social media, um, I think if you sign up for that email list, hopefully you'll get the best of me. Like I said, I'm trying to up my capacity and share more. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that, but in the meantime, if you go to davidjsherry.com, uh, you'll see my writing where you can sign up to my email list that you spoke about. Um, I think that's a really fun place to kind of hop on that list. I send out emails maybe anywhere from like two to five times a week. And the premise is... 
I pick a product, maybe it's like fidget spinners or a lot or something else. And I say, here's an indie product that you haven't heard of. It's really taking off among a niche market. And here's why I think it's taking off. Here's why it's growing. So I think for anybody who's interested in brand marketing and paying attention to how to build a brand in a way that is exciting to a, a group of people, hopefully that's a helpful place to be. So if you go to davidjsherry.com, you can sign up for that email list or read some of my writing there. Um, but yeah, otherwise just everything through death to stock or death to the stock photo. Right on. Love it. And like I told you guys listening, I am a customer and then I also devour that email because it is, it's my, it is the, the go-to space right now for me to get my vision stretched. And, and what's wild for me, David, is that like, you've said it already. I mean, I'm an earlier adopter. I'm aware. Uh, you put me in, you know, the average space that I'll be in relationally throughout the day. I tend to know more about like what's out there or happening just because I work at paying attention. And so I, I'm like, what the heck? Where I've never even heard of this. I, you know, the number of times I'm like, this is amazing. I can't believe this is so hidden away. So props, props, props. Uh, thanks for being here today, man. It's been such a, a joy to have you on and introduce you in a more full way to people that are listening. Um, and just really kind of you. Anything else you yeah, want to say before yeah. you sign off? Oh, uh, well, so I have a podcast, The First Four Years, uh, which you can check out on iTunes, and I'll probably be having Chris on that show. So um, most of the episodes are solo. It's just me kind of chatting about some things I've learned. But uh, I think it's an important place to have a discussion about what it actually looks like day to day in the early phase of starting a company rather than, you know, and I don't think this is a bad thing, but like if you look at big podcasts like How I Built This, or other podcasts like that, they speak with people who started multi-billion dollar companies and have maybe exited years ago. Um, and so the first four years is about what it looks like day to day right now for somebody in the early phase. So if that resonates with you or would be encouraging to where you're at, um, you can just check that out at the first four years. Awesome. So this is the gritty lessons from the first four years of leading and owning a business and, uh, so glad people that listen to that and I've listened to those episodes where you're like, oh, it's, it gives you permission. Um, it, it keeps me grounded in a way that like, oh, that was something that I was wrestling with six months ago and I could have easily lost that. I can't forget that. So not only for some people, it's going to get them out in front. For some people, it's going to anchor in some lessons learned. Uh, so they can just find that by searching the first four years podcast. I'm assuming they can type that in. It'll pop up. Yep, yep, on iTunes, the first four years, and it's spelled out um, four. Okay, spell out the four. So the first four years, spelled out. Uh, props, man, the audience, I, they're celebrating you. You can't hear it, but they're clapping and going, woo, thanks for being here. Uh, <laughs> thanks, man. So glad to have you on, and you have yourself an excellent rest of the day. Thanks awesome. for being here, thanks. listeners. Peace, guys. Bye.